about best summer ever, you know, like kind of making the best of our summer uh, as we're looking to the summer kickoff and just some encouragement towards um, taking steps towards walking into cool new things God wants to do in our lives and not limiting him and, and seizing the day, taking the time to make it happen and, and uh, letting God move in your life and not taking any more time away from uh, or uh, limiting all the things he wants to do and just allowing him to move in that. So if you missed that, that's on the podcast. You could check it out. Um, but the hope was to encourage you, but now we're back in first Corinthians again, chapter 14, starting at verse 20. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time tonight, God. And we pray that you would bless this time of study. And we pray that you'd speak to us, uh, by your word that you would, uh, Show us what we're uh, supposed to see and that you would encourage us with what we're supposed to be encouraged with. And that you just bless this time, God, that we would have, uh, that you'd speak to us by your spirit, Lord, move in our lives. Ears to hear and eyes to see everything you're trying to do in our lives. And then to be able to uh, receive and then respond with what you want the next step to look like. And, and that nothing would be held back from you, Lord. And uh, I just pray for anyone here who's got coming in heavy, uh, with a heavy heart or struggling in any way, that that you'd be able to let that go and and lay that yoke upon you, knowing your yoke is easy, your burden is light, and um, that there'd be refreshing here and hope here, because you're the God of hope, like you are our hope, your new life in you. And so, God, we pray that you'd just... Uh, encourage us this morning and we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So, uh, first Corinthians chapter 14, uh, Paul has been focusing, uh, on spiritual gifts starting really someone chapter 11, chapter 12 was major spiritual gifts. And then chapter 13, he said, but there's something greater than spiritual gifts, and that is the love chapter, right? How love supersedes all the gifts and really makes the gifts work. Without the love, you miss out on the whole point of the thing. Uh, because remember in Corinth, these people loved their special gifts, their special freedoms, their special liberties, and they felt so uh, honored in their own eyes, and, and uh, like they're so mature, and they're the ones that have, you know, we speak in tongues more than them, and we do this more than them, and, and we have liberty more than them, and Paul's throughout all of 1 Corinthians, he's like trying to get them to see that it is not about you, it is about us. It is about encouraging one another. It's about edifying one another. So, quick recap. So, you, going back, it's, the, it's not just the things you eat. It's that, that you might be cool to eat it, but if it, if it harms your brother or your sister, it's not worth it, right? Your liberty might say one thing, but love would say something else. And so, he's been really focusing in on prophecy and tongues. And they seemingly loved tongues. That was like their thing. They were all about it. They loved speaking in tongues. And this was like their spiritual gift. But Paul is trying to encourage them to grow in, the, in prophecy because prophecy edifies everyone. Tongues is great as a, far as like a prayer language between you and God. And, and we said some people have the gift of tongues. Not everybody does. 
Some do, some don't. But there are guidelines to how that is supposed to take place. So he's kind of continuing along with this. What's interesting, I think, is, is uh, that in all of this, we need to look at it. I think spiritual gifts sometimes bring up emotions. Like you're like, they're all bad or they're all good. Or don't tell me what kind of experience I should have with spiritual gifts. Well, God lays it out. There's an order to things, right? And we shouldn't be afraid of order. We shouldn't be afraid to talk about order. It is a good thing. And so Paul is trying to say that to them because a lot of times when you're hyper spiritual and you're all about how spiritual you are, no one can tell you anything. Well, we're going to see that these gifts need to not only, uh, someone can have input, but they need to be like vetted even like prophecy needs to be they it needs to be double checked that this is actually something god would say because we are not have you noticed you're not god today has anybody have you noticed that your life is not completely controlled by the holy spirit maybe maybe you are there and you drive and you you don't drive here you hover here right like cars going up and over traffic and then you coast in and someone cuts you off and you say god bless you and you you come up and you give them 20 dollars when you pass by and you say the lord is with you and they say i feel like i need to repent of my sin this is you know maybe you've achieved this this morning of course you didn't have a fight going to church that would that doesn't make any sense, right? Fighting on the way to church, right? You know, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Verse 20. So he says, brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Paul is trying to get them to recognize their need for understanding in this. And he's, he says, believe me, I want you guys to be babes in malice. Like I want you to be pure of heart. I, I want you to be simple in that way, but I don't want you to be babes in your understanding. What's something we know about kids. There's a purity of heart with kids. They don't, they don't have the, their minds haven't had as much time to be corrupted as ours. Right. And so there's some simplicity and there's some, some purity there. But there's also issues with kids too. You have to teach your child that they are not the center of the universe, don't you? Right? And one of the best teachers for that is when the second child comes. And they go, oh, that's my mom. Oh, and the baby's sitting there like, I, I think it's my mom too, you know? And then all of a sudden there's like this back row and we have a picture of, of our, of when Violet was born and in the, in the wheelchair, Tori's being wheeled out and Cannon's bawling. Ah, like what is this child that is next to my, who, that my mom is holding and, uh, he recovered quickly and now they, they speak, are on speaking terms, uh, after six years. But yeah, it, it's, there's, there is, uh a selfishness and there's a self-centeredness that we're just kind of born with. And sometimes we like never get rid of it. (laughs) Like, you know, you can kind of, you meet people and you're like, Oh, you must be so wise. You're, you know, in your eighties and you're like, Nope, still super self-centered and selfish. Right. Sometimes you cannot grow into that. And Paul's even kind of speaking in that, but he's saying in understanding, be mature. We need to mature to be able to understand that the world doesn't revolve around us. And actually we will find more peace, more joy, more uh, purpose in serving than in being served. 
mentioned before, you remember the first Christmas when you, it actually was more fun to see someone open the present you gave than to open the present yourself. Was that wild or what? You're like, whoa, what is, maybe you haven't gotten there yet. And I would say, this section is for you, okay? You're like, I can't wait to see it, right? It was Cannon's birthday this last week. I'm like, I cannot wait. And Amazon totally screwed up his order. The main present hasn't come yet. And it was on Tuesday. His birthday was on Tuesday. And I paid an extra $1.50 to get it there on Tuesday. And it is not there. Okay. But, but you, you get that joy of like, you know, like, I want to see you get this. I want to I wanna watch you open it. I want to be a part of just, yeah, this is awesome. I get to be a part of seeing you be happy. And so he's saying to these Christians in Corinth, you guys need to mature in this way, to understanding, to be who you're supposed to be, to stop acting like children. They were uh, a gifted group, but a self-centered group. And the self-centered attitude had permeated its way into mega sin. Because if you live like you're on an island, that means you're, just, you're blasting all your neighbors, right? You don't care about anyone else that's around you. You only care about you. And before you know it, nobody else wants to be around you at all. Hopefully that's not where you're at. But it's, it's, it, he says that we're to be mature in understanding. Again, understanding things like understanding spiritual gifts, we can get really weird about this stuff. And, and it's really crazy that we can, right? Let's just be honest and transparent and submissive to what the Word of God says and to understand what He's trying to say to us. Of course, it's spiritual things, so it's a little different than, you know, practical things like money matters, you know, Dave Ramsey class, you know. It's just you do this and you put these in these envelopes or whatever, you know. But this is like we want to dwell with one another in understanding. Verse 21 says, in the law it is written, this is Isaiah uh, 28, it's in Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. With men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet, for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are, a sign, are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but to those who believe. Interesting section here. But the tongues is a bit of a shocking thing to the outside world. But the prophecy, it leads into belief, right? When, when there's a word spoken that can cut your, you to your core, it kind of leads you into belief, right? Where you're dealing with tongues, it's, it's more like, I don't know what that was all about exactly. To believers, you go, ah, it's a prayer language, and it's someone speaking before the Lord. And especially when you recognize that it's being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is not the same thing as being demon-possessed and not being able to control your body, right? This is going to be, we're going to talk about this in in tongues, and we're actually going to talk about this also in prophecy. Sometimes, I speak of kids a lot because I have them and they're small. And sometimes they just go nuts. Like, and they're like laughing. And, and when they're like hysterically laughing and they all are building off of each other and it becomes like this like. <laughs> and you're like, oh no, it's a tornado. And so you've got to like try and stop it real quick because it, it 
when it becomes a tornado, it's not fun anymore. It gets crazy, you know, and people start saying things they shouldn't say. And all of a sudden it, it goes from really, really fun to devastation. Everyone's really getting upset with each other. And so you have to figure out how to stop it. And there's, there's always the key person that's really keeping it going. Right. And so you're like, I know who it is and I'm not going to bring up their name or their gender. I'm just, so you don't have to worry about that, but you go, Hey, listen, stop. You got to slow down. You're getting a little too crazy. You're saying a little too much. Slow down. Like I can, I can, I'm going crazy. You're like, okay, if you don't slow down, you're not going to get ice cream. Hmm. It's amazing how fast the thing that you couldn't stop doing, you can stop doing when there's something on the line, right? And you go, I I thought it was uncontrollable. Well, it was uncontrollable when I didn't want to control it. And so sometimes we can see with, even in, in tongues, like you'll say, oh man, don't go there. People can't control themselves. They're barking and they're swinging off the chandeliers and you know, who knows what all is happening. That is not exactly what we see in the Bible, right? So there you go. Not to say that people can't take it too far. It would almost seem Pentecost was taken a little too far, wouldn't it? I don't know, but it, it, people are like, they're drunk. What is going on? This is getting all crazy. But we see what ends up happening is that when the real stuff starts happening, where hearts start being changed is when Peter is able to speak prophetically the truth. And what happens? People's lives start getting changed. It's not the, the speaking in tongues somewhat brought up like, this is weird. And they literally thought they were all drunk. And Peter had to come up and say, we're not drunk. It's like nine in the morning. Okay. We're not drunk. It's just, this is the Holy Spirit. And then he goes into this whole working through the Old Testament about all about who Jesus was and and then what they did with him and how he's the hope of the world. And then we see people get saved. People were getting saved when there was understanding. That's kind of like the prophecy side of things, right? The tongues is good and that's between you and God. And, And Paul's like, He's never going to say it's not good, but he's reluctant because he's like, you guys are making this the main thing. And doesn't this happen in churches, right? This kind of thing becomes the main thing. And that's a shame because it's not a bad thing, but it's definitely not the main thing. Neither is prophecy. That's not the main thing either. They are both to be used and, and to be, you know, active in the life of a believer, but it comes out of this learning the deep truths of the word, right? We know who God is. God starts showing us who we are through the word of God. We see these principles in the word of God. And we say, God, give me the gifts I need to, to, you know, minister and to do these things. Because often when we start making these other things, these gifts, the main thing you miss out on, it starts like overriding scripture. That's a major problem. Right? So we need to be grounded in the word of God so that we can deal with these things and and see them for what they are. Okay, verse 23. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say you're out of your mind? Again, think Pentecost. Like, what is going on? If someone walked in here and every single person was speaking in tongues loudly and getting all wild, they'd go... Um, I think there's like four more churches within one half mile. Let's go to one of those. This is going to freaking me out. Okay. You know, you could come in and see that it would look chaotic. It would be unsettling. 
But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now, this is something that by Paul saying, don't just look to tongues, look to something greater that's not just involving you, but those around you, where God's getting all the glory for it. When prophecy is spoken for, then you go, prophecy, you know, like, was that all of a sudden, you, you know, the pastor's speaking and they, you see his eyes go, thus saith the Lord. That would be creepy, right? That's not prophecy, you know? That's not what it is. But it's when God stirs something. And again, maybe you've been used in this way. I know, I, I have been used in this way where I know all of a sudden God gives you something to say and you're like, okay. And you say it and they're like, what, how, why did you say that thing? You know, you always meet with them afterwards. They're always kind of mad. Like, what is, why did you say that? Did my mom tell you that, about that? And you're like, who's your mom? You're like, you know, 53. You know, I don't know who your mom is. You know, I'm just kidding. This is a hypothetical situation. I don't know who she is, but no, she did not tell. But it, it's like, not even like specific where you're like, oh, there's someone in here whose name starts with, you know, a Z. I'm just kidding, Zane. You're just the only one, I think. So we had to go with it. That would have been a little bit. So there, you know, so it's, it's not like that, right? Where it's like, it's just God puts something on your heart and you say it and it, and it cuts real deep because it's God who gave it and God uses it. And to an unbeliever, that means a lot. Honestly, for me personally, I've shared this before. This is a lot of how I really like saw the power of God. And, and part of my transformation into seeking, like, I just want to go all in, was people speaking to me prophetically into my life, saying things they should have never known. And, and it like rocked me like, whoa, I wasn't interested in a moral club, right? <laughs> that like, they just kind of sing and it's awkward and you're like, do I do this? I don't know. You know, I didn't know that was like not connection to me necessarily. Like I like music, but a lot of churches, music's not very good. You know, like, I don't know about this. I don't really connect like this, but when you see the power of God and you're like, God like knows me and he's speaking to me, never mind the fact that he just completely convicted me of sin. That's like awesome. I don't care about the sin. Like I'm not even embarrassed. Like, you know, me, you care about me. What, what do you see in me? Isn't that, isn't that what we're always asking ourselves? Like, what do you see in me? Like, what, it, what do I look like? Like, what's the image that people have of me? I'm going, oh, I don't know. They kind of think you're, you're a jerk. Or they kind of think you're, you know, kind of weak or soft or, you know, or whatever it might be. Or they, they think that, you know, you're pretty nice, you know, but you're quiet, you know, okay. But like for God to speak to you, you're like, well, what do you see in me? Why, why are you talking to me? Like, I, I, I don't, and it opens up your eyes to like, this is, there's something more here that he has for me. And that's what prophecy does. And it's super useful. This is a good thing. And we should be striving for this. The, the, the biggest issue with spiritual gifts is you go, well, we either got to go all in and be crazy and forget our brains completely, or we do none of it, and we're completely stable. And stable means 
not moving. We don't have nothing happening. But the, the Christian's mindset should be, we want everything God wants for us. But it's in understanding. It's with order. It's in submission to Him. This is good. This is very good. And so you don't have to go super extreme this way or super extreme that way. It's just balanced because it's what God told us to do. Just stay with what he said. Don't worry about what he didn't say. Don't add things on. Also, don't take things away. Because usually if you find the extremes, they've had to silence some things here or silence some things here. We want to be right where he wants us to be. So he says, we want to prophesy because look at the result. He says, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And again, you think of the, you know, the woman at the well, right? She's come see this man. He told me everything I ever did, right? She was convicted of her sin, but she's like, just come. This was so awesome. Come see this guy. He told me I'm a sinner. How cool is that? And they're like, okay. Verse 26, uh, he says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching. uh, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, uh, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Well, now here's a real practical thing here. And uh, and this is this is where I feel like God's been really stirring me up, us up hopefully to recognizing that each person in here has something they need to give to the body of Christ. That's the thing when we all come together and you might say, well, then when's it my turn to give a Psalm? Well, when's it my turn to do that? It, when we are when we are mingling, (laughs) that is when it's happening, Right. And there's opportunities to do it too. But if every single person came up here and said, I want to say something, oh man, you know, this would get crazy, right? It's like when there's too many people giving toasts, you're like, and they always say, oh, I didn't write anything down. I'm just going to wing it. And you're like, oh no, oh no. Oh man, don't, have you ever winged it before? Maybe you shouldn't just wing it. You know, I'm just thinking out loud here. So if you have a speech coming up and you're not sure what to do and you're thinking, I'll just wing it, just be careful, okay? Maybe it'll work. The wing it crowd is fewer than you think. Um, And unfortunately, you have to find out the hard way. (laughs) If you're not a wing it person, kind of ruins the rest of the wedding for you. Um, And everyone else, actually, for that matter. Um, Just kidding. Not that big of a deal. Uh... But each of us, look at what it says. When you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification, for the building up of the body. So what if you came to church and you said, God, give me something for someone, whether it's just a hug. I know who to hug. I know I have a scripture that I can encourage somebody with. Uh, I have something that I can give to someone else. It takes a little bit of ownership, doesn't it? You show up on a Sunday morning and you don't just go, okay, well, um, pastor, say your thing and then let's go. Cause I got to eat. I'm hungry. You know, you come and you show up and you say, what do I give? Not to 
not to me necessarily, but to the body. Like you're praying throughout the week. You're even praying on Sunday morning. You're like, I'm going to see my people. I'm going to see my crew. And I have a word for them. I have something I want to share with them. And it might not be some crazy like, you know, thus, again, it's not a thus saith the Lord necessarily thing. But you're like, God, just give me something that would encourage them today. I mean, what is a verse? And, and you start reading and you're like, that would be encouraging. Don't do a discouraging verse, okay? I was listening to this message. was talking about how uh, whenever people think they have like prophecy or I have a verse from the Lord and you hear it and you go, oh, that is like a gnarly verse, I think. And it's all about like repentance and all this and that. And you're like, maybe that's for you, you know? <laughs> you ever think about that? That maybe that verse was actually for you. And you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> Be careful what you share, right? It's like at a, yeah, be careful what you share. Be careful. But wouldn't that be cool to be able to come together? And this is where you, it all kind of takes root because there's no, we're all ministers of the gospel. All of us. We're all part of this. And maybe you got a word for somebody and maybe they're even not here. You send them a text and then it's going to encourage them. But if it's someone in here and you do, how amazing is it when God gives you a word for someone and you give it to them or you text it to them or whatever. And they go, that is exactly what I needed to hear today. And what do you go? What, what, what do you think? I'm so awesome. No, you think, man, God is good. He it wants to speak to his people, but he uses us to do it. And so a lot of times, you know, it can just be put on, well, the pastor or whatever. And that's just not the job of the pastor is to equip the people, the church for the work of the ministry so that you do the work of the ministry. Right. It doesn't make any sense. I can only do what I can do. If you haven't noticed, I'm not perfect. Like I said, I screwed up my dough ball. The only person. I had metal in it. How did I have metal in it? I just was scraping the tray so hard. I had metal in mine. I said, is this okay? And Mildred said, no, no, that's not at all okay. You've got to start over to my embarrassment. So it's like what we can't, you don't come and rely on one person to do it. We're all part of it. And, and, and the health of this body, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The health of this body is, has everything to do with people doing healthy things together. That's it. So I, and by the way, the whole like thing where, you know, you come and you hear, Oh, that was a very thoughtful thing, you know, with a giant mega, you know, situation and pastors up there and like, oh, okay, good. All right, let's walk off. That is not what we want, what we're called to. That's not what we need. Jesus walked with his disciples, didn't he? And then his disciples walked with people. What is Paul doing with the church of Corinth? He spent a year and a half with them, right? And now he's walking through all of this with them. I mean, you know what? Sometimes you're going to have to help people through some, some hard stuff. Not everyone's always going to be on their A game, but we're called to do it with each other, to encourage, to uplift, to, you know what, with the right heart and, and with love to call it out if you need to. That one needs to be done really well, though, by the way. Because it's, some people just like, I just have the kind of ministry where I call people out. You're like, do you like being called out? Oh, no. Definitely not. I just, I'm just really good at calling people out. Like, oh, okay. 
I see. That's definitely in the Bible. So, if, so there you go. And that's, that's the point. Is It's all for edification. But how does this play out? If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn. And let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Again, there will be control. There will be order. And it, and it says, if there's, it's got to be no more than three. Like in that setting. If there's an interpreter... And remember, we talked about the interpretation would be it's prayer towards God. So it would be honoring God and telling, basically speaking to God and honoring him in that way. So not that it's bad. It's okay, but it's in order. And if, you, if there's no interpreter, you've got to just keep it silent between you and the Lord. And you, you're praying and it's, maybe it's a time for, you know, where you have some time between you and the Lord. And you can just quietly pray to him because, once again, it's, you're not out of control. So there you go. That's the, the, the deal there with, uh, with tongues, right? And so we fall under the line of that. There's that if there is that opportunity, and I, I heard of it at my, the church I got saved at, of where there was, it was a meeting of sorts, and someone spoke in tongues, and everyone was ready to throw them out. And the pastor said, is there an interpretation? And there was, and it was awesome, okay? And so everybody goes, whoa, <laughs> And then, you know, those ushers are feeling carnal, right? Because they're like putting on their like brass knuckles and they're like, I cannot wait to take care of this one, you know? And then all of a sudden the pastor's like, wait a minute, hold on. Is there an interpretation? And somebody says, uh, yeah, here you go. And they're like, whoa. And it blew everyone's mind because, well, you know what? Sometimes it works in that way. I don't believe it would necessarily happen in this kind of setting where, The word of God is being preached forth anyway, but don't be afraid of God working in that way. But there's always a restraint of you can control it. And if there's no uh, interpretation, you absolutely need to control it. Uh, Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Here we go. The prophecy is to be judged and not just blindly accepted. Right? So you say, oh, this is a word, and it completely contradicts the Bible. It is not of the Lord. We are not living in the, we are not writing the Bible. You don't need to add another book, okay? As much as you think you want to, you know, we don't need another book from you. You don't have the ability to write another book. We have, this is enough right here. So we don't go over this. And and by the way, the Bible doesn't really want to contradict itself anyway, right? So it's all with understanding, just really practically, you know, I'm, that's just not from the Lord. And I've mentioned before, a guy I know that operates in the prophetic often always says before he speaks, this may just be me, but it could it be that, and he'll speak something that's apt. I've never, he's never been wrong when I've dealt with him ever. Like he hears from the Lord and he speaks, but he always says, I might be way off here. This is, this is that mindset. I might be way off here. Check me. I could be wrong. I don't want to say I'm speaking for the Lord, but maybe he's saying this. I don't know. And you're like, oh, no, he said that. <laughs> he for sure said that. How did you know that? And you're like, then when you're in sin, you're like, don't look at me, man. Like, you know, he's like, hey, Chris, come here. I wanted to talk to you for a second. You're like, 
I'm in my underwear basically right now in front of this guy. He can see everything, you know, like, sorry, that's not true. But you know, you're like exposed, like here I am. You, you could see through anyway, but that's the, the mindset is to have everything judged and look at what it says and what it, uh, it doesn't line up as scripture verse 30. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and be encouraged. Again, this is probably an issue in Corinth where if someone is prophesying, they're all prophesying over each other. You go, no, I want to go now. My turn, you know. So what does it say? Sit back, relax. That means it's not uncontrollable, doesn't it? You can sit on it for a second. It's not like, I'm compelled to say this right this second. It's like, no, that's something I should say. But I'll just sit here. And I like what he says right here. He says that uh, for you can all prophesy one by one, uh, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Sit back and learn for a second. Maybe God's speaking something and you're so busy thinking about how you want to be the one to say something next. You're missing out on what he's saying through someone else. This is important. One mouth, two ears, right? But it's, it's in order again. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Uh, God is not an author of confusion. So these things are to be judged by leadership. Okay? I, I, uh, I was listening to me- the, a message on this by Guzik, which I always do. I like listening to it because... Make sure I'm not not way off base on stuff. And he's got really cool stuff that I like. And he had this quote from Tertullian. was like early church father. And uh, and he said this. We now have uh, among us a sister whose lot uh, it has been to be favored with sundry gifts of revelation. Which she uh, experiences in the church by ecstatic vision. ecstatic vision amidst the sacred rites of the Lord's day in the church. She uh, converes with angels and sometimes even with the Lord. She both sees and hears mysterious communications. Some men's hearts she understands, and to those who are in need she distributes remedies, whether it be in the reading of the scripture or in the chanting of psalms or in the preaching of sermons or in the offering up of prayers in all these religious services uh, matter and opportunity are afforded to her of seeing visions. She's highly used in the prophetic realm. She's like, anyway, after the people are dismissed, um, at the conclusion of the sacred services, she is in the regular habit of reporting to us, whatever things she may have seen in her vision for all her communications are examined with the most scrupulous care in order that their truth may be probed. The apostle most assuredly for, you know, so we see, we see this here. She is, has this amazing gift to see these things, but then she'll take what she sees and she brings it before the leadership of the church and says, this is what I think the Lord's speaking to me. And they go, cool, let's do it. (laughs) Or they go, I don't know. I don't, that doesn't really work with scripture. I, I don't see that. She goes, okay, okay, maybe I'm off here or whatever. Human error is real, right? We mess up. We say things we shouldn't say. Even when you're trying to say the right thing, you say the wrong thing sometimes, right? Like, I know that was not bad. No, that was a good one. I 
do say the bad ones, but that was supposed to be a good one. I'm in trouble for that? I didn't, I didn't mean to say it like that. Like, this is like a texting problem, right? Remember Aaron uh, at Kingsfield used to always tell me, he says, you've got to use emojis to let people know what you're feeling because you're way too, like, blunt a lot of the times. And so I'm, like, try to use, like, I would just do away with periods and exclamation. I try to put these in to, like, be like, I'm excited and, oh, this is good. And here's a, he always gives smiley faces on everything. And you're like, okay, you're fired, smiley face, you know. Because people can't read into, they, and they'll read into, what do you think this means, you know? This looks pretty serious, you know? Well, we mess up. We are human. But the fact of the matter is this woman who was deeply spiritual was under the submission of leadership, and then it glorified everyone. She wasn't on her own. No, no, I'm not being restrained by leadership. Submission was God's idea. It's his plan. Jesus was under this, the will of the Father, even when it was un- inconvenient, even when it wasn't fun. We are to be doing the same things in spiritual gifts. All right, Lord's given me something to say. There we go. Under his submission, under his will. Verse 34. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Okay. Um, Yeah, so oops, so God made a mistake here, huh? No, not not a mistake. It's it's interesting to understand the context, and the context would be in judging prophecy, right? And in speaking out in an authoritative manner here. Now, the role of women is greatly uh as far as church leadership, greatly disputed. And as time goes on, it's even more disputed. And we've already been through the section where, uh, you know, where the husband is the head of the household, but that's not, doesn't mean he's better than the wife. It's a positional thing, but the husband's called to lay down his life for his wife. And there's lots of different kind of views on what you think women's role is in church. The fact of the matter is it's definitely not talking about women can't speak in church. Because remember in in chapter 11, it was talking about women prophesying in church, right? (laughs) That's what it said is they were prophesied like they're supposed to have their head covering and they prophesy in church. There's praying and prophesying and and they're being used in in this way. We see... uh, Throughout the New Testament, women being used to speak. Women being used to uh, be witnesses of Jesus. Who were the first ones to see Jesus risen from the dead? Were women. And that's recorded for us. It's not a lack of value, but there is an order that is involved. And so there's, you go, well, at what point, you know, you go into 1 Timothy. And what, at what point do we say, what can women do? What can't women do? Are they, like, not supposed to come up on stage? We have a woman worship leader. Have you noticed? You know, like, I I don't believe, I believe that women are are absolutely supposed to be involved in the ministry uh, at church. But the the roles of pastoral senior kind of leadership and, and pastoral elder leadership, we see as for men throughout scripture. And a good example of uh, that being established is, what were Jesus' 12 disciples? They were all men, right? 
And that's what he has used to establish as the overarching overall leadership as he wants in the household. It doesn't mean just like in the household that women are demeaned or they're put away in the closet or any, you know, whatever. They are absolutely involved in what's going on. We have meetings about what's going on. It's not just the men, it's the men and the women, the, the leadership team. That's we talk together. I learned a long time ago, I make much better decisions when my wife is involved in the process. We are way better together as a team and we can disagree and we can kind of like work on it together. And, and so what do I bring before is the kind of like the cumulative efforts where we all kind of come in together. But at the same time, I'm called to lead the church. So if I really feel strongly like we got to do it, okay, fine, let's go that direction. But it's with a lot of input and information and, and working together. So when you're talking about the role of someone who's able to say if, if prophecy is legit or not, that would be reserved for the elders. Those who are in like senior upper leadership of the church. Because that's what we see throughout the Bible. And that is what we have to hold on to. Right? If we want to get into hold this whole thing where we follow exactly what culture says, um, what? No, no. <laughs> what a wild ride! And I think that the culture currently is kind of like showing how crazy it is. And you're like, oh, oh no, we do not need to please them. We do not need to worry about that. They don't know where they're going. So let's do what we're supposed to be doing and follow what we're supposed to be following. And that is not to, there's, there's basically usually two sides. And that's one is to completely demean and say, oh, no, you can't be, you, you can't, you're not useful. You're not good for, no, it's, there are absolutely major places for women to be ministering and being used in the church. But there's also a place where you say, well, God has called Men and women into different things. This setting is in a church setting where, as tradition would set, women were on one side, husbands were on the other, they're talking to each other on the other side, right? This still happens in some churches, right? You, you, they're over there and they're like, they're like kind of talking or whatever. And I actually think there's some real good value here to the women and the, hus- the wife and the husband going home and talking through the thing before you bring it up, Right? Because a lot of things you can solve at home without having everyone have to chime in on everything, right? Let's go talk about it, and we'll come out. And, and what a blessing it is if you're married to have two different perspectives. Because if you haven't noticed, your spouse is different than you. And their perspective is valuable because you can both see it from different sides. One might be more right than the other. Usually not one is 100% right, and not one's 100% wrong. There's something that can be gained from each side. If nothing else, understanding. So, there you go. Um, and, and actually, Alan Redpath, he had pointed out that Paul uses the ancient Greek verb, uh, laleo, which means to talk, to question, to argue, profess, or to profess or chatter. It was like in this, it, it's, yeah, it's just... To, to argue, to question, to call, have all these issues that were coming up. Anyway, so there you go. Can of worms, you know. Uh, but it's, val- it's valuable. It's order. It's what God has called us into. And one of the things that we really also look at is 
God calls us all, whether male or female, into different things in life, right? And whatever you're called to, you're just supposed to be accountable to doing well at that, right? Even to the point where it was like slaves and masters, right? If you're a slave, be an honorable slave. If you're a master, be an honorable master. You know, if you're, if you're like low on the totem pole working, work honorably. If you're a, if you're a boss, work, treat them well. And we know, obviously, this is talking about a little bit of a different setting and especially like slavery, but like wherever you're at, do with what has been put in front of you. Just do that thing. Cause too much is given much is required. This keeps me up at night, by the way, <laughs> like seriously, like, you know, where you're like, what are you, this is heavy, you know? Like, I remember when I was just, I just cleaned bathrooms. Like, that was so easy. Like, and that was like being faithful. <laughs> Clean bathrooms, hang out with some youth, go home. You know, see you guys, <laughs> I'm done. And it's that, there was, there's value to that. Just doing what you're called to do anyway. So, there you go. We, we can talk more after if you'd like. Uh, first talk to your husbands and then come to, I'm just joking. It's not, it's not that setting. All right. Also, you know, yeah, understanding all the culture and all that verse 36, or did the word of God come originally from you or was it, uh, only you that it reached Paul speaking to the Corinthians. You guys think you've got it all to, you know, you know, everything I'm the one that brought it to you. Like you, you guys aren't all on an island alone because they had this thing where they're like, and this is usually happens with spiritual gift elite is they won't listen to anyone. Oh no, no, I'm not listening to you. You're, you know, you're, oh, you're restrained by the spirit. That's why I can't listen to you. They, they didn't want to hear the truth and they were going to be hurting because of it. If anyone thinks uh, himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you, uh, write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Understand that what I'm saying to you is not just like a suggestion, but this is, this is real. And there's, there's a cost to confusion and churches that live in confusion are going to pay for that cost, right? There's a price to that, unfortunately, but if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Ouch. Right? It's like, if you guys are ignorant and you want to be ignorant, go ahead, be ignorant. That's your choice. I'm trying to get you to get understanding so that you can grow past this so that you can function well. So you don't get weird. And so everything doesn't get messed up. Verse 39, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues and let all things be done decently and in order. We are to desire these things, not just to put up with them, but to desire God to work in our lives in in an impacting way. Each person in here to desire that. Not just, oh, yeah, I wish my church did. Wish you did it. You know, that God would do that in you and say, Lord, here's my life. Use me in this way. Let me be a part of everything you want me to be a part of. I want, I want to be your hands and feet to the extent you want to use me to be your hands and feet. I want to be faithful to whatever you've called me to. And if I'm limiting that calling, I don't want to do that. Have me step out in faith to do it, to walk in it, to be used in it. Everyone knows if you've done something that's uncomfortable, there is huge blessings on the other end of that, isn't there? Right? Pasta night was uncomfortable, wasn't it? It was a lot, right? 
But there was a blessing in stepping out and doing something like that. Paul's sliders and study. Paul, how much meat did you make? So much. And it's a stretch. You're like, I've never cooked this much pork in my life, you know? And there's two crock pots going full speed. And there's all these dudes hanging out and chilling. And, you know, there's a stretching. Whatever it is that you do, going to Mexico, doing... There's... There is an importance of stretching. God wants to bring you into something more, something new. You do the same workout every day. It might work okay, but you've got to shock your muscles to get growth, right? You've got to do different things to get growth. You do the same thing. You're, you kind of get used to it. Okay, this is just what I do. God wants to constantly be taking us out of our comfort zone into whole new things. So I encourage you, uh, moving out from here, obviously we're... So many things, so many topics as we've gone through it. And, and next week, I'm so excited. It's, it's just the, the beautiful picture of the essential truth of Jesus being risen from the dead. And I'm so pumped. This has been very challenging, a lot of this. <laughs> but it's been fun because you're like, God, if this is something I'm supposed to have, I want it. If this is something our, supposed, our church is supposed to have, we want it. Because we need to be ministering to the utmost in the world we live in right now, right? Whatever you want to do, God. You speak prophetically into someone's life. Be like, well, I don't really believe in God, but what was that? What, how did you know that? You know, God can use it. He's, he wants to use our intellect. He wants to use the, uh, everything, all of it. So we just say, Lord, use it all however you see fit. Here's all the tools. Just use them. And we'll see God do things. We want to see him do things. But we do it together as a church, as a body. This is not just sit back and, okay, cool. No, it's for you. You. Yes, you. We'll move forward in that. We're going to um, play another song of worship, uh, pray, and another song of worship in closing. I'd encourage you to spend that time as you're, as you're singing, just to be thinking, like, you know, putting your gaze on him. Like, God, what do, you, what do you want from me? How do you want me to move? What do you want me to do this week? Maybe even today. Is there a word that you have? Is there something I can say? Is there someone that you're putting on my heart that I need to go say hi to, give a hug to, you know, whatever, and do it? And then join us tonight if you'd like to at the beach. It's going to be good, really good. Fellowship, hanging out. Bring some food down if you want. And uh, yeah, and if you want to get baptized, let us know. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, your word this morning. And we know that your word withstands all shifts and culture and all changes and everything that this world can throw at us. Um, It can break down our hard hearts and our mindset.